Acts chapter three, that's where we're gonna go in just a couple of minutes. You know, one of the, the questions or one of the challenges I think we as God's people have to constantly wrestle with is the question of what does it look like to be people of faith and hope in the midst of a world that is marked by discouragement, doubt, and disappointment? Like, like what does it look like to, to, to be in touch with reality while praying that the kingdom of God would break into reality and destroy our understanding of how things are supposed to work? What does it look like to be hopeful and faith-filled when the prayers you prayed weren't answered the way that you expected, when uh, the story didn't end the way that you expected? What does it look like to make sure the, the, the future of our life is not marked by the disappointment of the past? And so how do we live as God's people in, in the midst of discouragement and disappointment, a world that's marked by it? How do we live as men and women of faith and hope anchored into the reality of who Jesus is? And this is what I love about the book of Acts. We've been going through Acts over the last several weeks together, and it's this, it's this beautiful moment. Jesus, the, the Son of God, he comes and he, he lives on earth for more than 30 years. That's what the Gospels record for us. He shows up, he lives a sinless life. He dies a sinner's death after three days buried in a tomb that he did not own. He's raised from the dead in power. He spends the next 40 days proclaiming the kingdom of God to anybody that was willing to listen. And then the book of Acts picks up there where he's getting ready to return to heaven. And he says, hey, here's the deal. I'm getting ready to be glorified. I'm getting ready to be lifted up uh, to the right hand of my father in heaven. And he says, and I'm giving you a mission. I'm giving you a mission. And this is what he says in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He says, he says I'm gonna pour out the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is one third of the Trinity. He says, I'm gonna pour out one third of heaven's resources into your life. And when this happens, you will receive power. He says, you'll receive power, explosive power to, to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's the promise. That's the promise of Jesus. Jesus says, uh, this is not what he said right before he returns to heaven. He didn't look out at the disciples and says, okay, here's the deal. You saw a bunch of cool things. Now for the next 2,000 years, I want you to get people into a building. I want you to just tell those same old stories over and over and over, and I want you to reflect back on what life used to be like when God was here. <laughs> it's not the commission. It's not the commission. In fact, the book of Acts opens saying, hey, we just told you the story about all that Jesus began to do and teach because Jesus is still doing, he's still teaching, he's still moving in power. Why? Because he's put his church here filled with his power to advance the kingdom of God. But the reality is, as followers of Jesus, we're still living in a broken world. And there's still pain and there's still sin and there's still heartache and there's still disappointment. And Jesus says, yeah, but in the middle of it, I want you to pray that the kingdom of heaven would invade that things on earth would be as they are in what? Help me out, church. Come on, help me out. They'd be as they are in heaven. He says, I want this to look like heaven. He says, that's the mission. So the disciples, they take them seriously. They, they listen to Jesus's words. They get in a room and pray. We've looked at this over the last couple of weeks. The spirit of God is poured out in power. And all of a sudden, this revival begins to break out. At the end of Acts chapter two, it's what we looked at last week. And where we pick up in the story this morning, I wish we had more time. At some point, maybe we'll come back and just teach this because it's, it's such a powerful story, but I don't have any desire for us to learn the book of Acts together. I want us to live the book of Acts. And there's a big difference in that. I want us to go, God, would you make this story make sense in the context of our real life, in the middle of who we are? And so this story picks up Acts chapter three. We're gonna start in verse one together. It says, one day, Peter and John, they were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. That's how you know it's a revival. They're still going up for prayer every day. 
They're not just showing up once a week, they're going up every day. And then verse two, it says, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was out there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I want you to just put yourself in, in their shoes. God has been moving in their community. Something's been happening. It's what we've been praying for the last several months as a church. And they're going into church to, to worship, to pray, to, to give honor to God. And as they're walking in, there's a guy there who's been crippled since birth. It's, it's what some of you saw this morning coming into church. We have people all around this building on the streets in a very similar situation. Some of you in this room are in that situation. And they walk into the temple, this guy's there, he's, he's begging, he's saying, hey, I, I want some money. And I love this moment, Peter and John say, hey, look at us, look at us. And I, I don't wanna read too much into the story, but I go, how much pain and disappointment had this guy gone through in his life and how hard had it gotten for him to even just look somebody in the eyes? Just sitting there, head down, hey, could you help me out? Could you help me out? I, I love this moment. Verse six, then Peter said, silver or gold we do not have. Don't you know that's the moment where he's like, dang it, like, you don't have what I need. And they're like, yeah, we gave up our jobs for this guy named Jesus. We've been broke ever since. And uh, we don't have silver or gold, but what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I remember years ago being in India and we were praying for this young boy who had never walked, about four years old. And we saw the spirit of God heal this little boy and he walks for the first time. And I remember seeing it happen and not even knowing how to believe it. It was outside of every paradigm I've ever seen, out of anything I've ever understood. I'm like, what is going on? What is happening? And this is what happens. The people are going, man, what is going on? They start worshiping God. They're amazed. They're scared. They don't know what to do. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Now, I'm just going to call this what it is. I would be surprised. <laughs> Peter, here's why we're surprised, because that dude hasn't walked his whole life, and now he's walking. That's why we're surprised. It's kind of a dumb question. How many of you, just raise your hand, don't be too spiritual. How many of you would be surprised if you saw this happen? Raise it high. It'd be shocking. It'd be shocking. Peter, that's why we're surprised. That's why we're surprised, bro. Like, like the miraculous is unfolding among us. Listen to this. He says, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as though it was by our own power and our godliness that this man walked? He says, no, it's by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, who's glorified his servant, Jesus. This is the reason this man's walked. And then he goes on, and he takes the opportunity to, to preach the gospel to him. He says, you remember the one that you disowned, Jesus, the one that you crucified, Jesus, the one that you didn't believe, Jesus, the one that you traded Barabbas for, Jesus. He says, you remember that Jesus, the one that you buried in a tomb that he didn't own? Yeah, that Jesus, he raised from the dead on the third day. And the reason this man is walking is not because we're so spiritual, not because we're so faith-filled, not because we're so powerful. He says, it's because Jesus is who he says he is. That's why the man walks. And here's what you see over and over in the scriptures is that the miraculous never points to the miraculous. The miraculous isn't about the miraculous. It's not the main attraction. The main attraction is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The miraculous 
points to the reality that God loved you enough that he entered into your mess, into the brokenness of your life, that he came and lived a life you couldn't live. He died the death that you should die. He raised to life. He's seated at the right hand of God and he wants to restore everything in your life. That's the miracle. And miracles always point to that miracle that God would come near. That's the miracle. And so there's this moment where this guy is walking, he's healed, and Peter says, well, he says, let me take an opportunity. This is just the sign that points to the real thing. And the real thing that I don't want you to miss is Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. He goes on in verses 20, 21, 22. I'm not gonna read it right now. I'll just paraphrase it for you. But he says, he says, so in light of that, he says, repent. Get right with God. <laughs> so that you may experience the refreshing of God. And one day when he returns, he'll restore all things. Here's what I want you to notice. The promise of scripture, the promise of scripture is not that Jesus will immediately heal everything right here and right now. That's not the promise of scripture. The promise of scripture is that by the grace of God, you have access to God through the life of Jesus Christ. That right now you can be made right with God. That's the promise. And that the spirit of God wants to dwell in you forever. That's the promise. And the promise is that one day when he returns, he will restore everything that's been broken. Every disease will be healed. Every dead person will be raised. Every sinner will be forgiven in Christ. Like that's the promise. And so Peter says, let me, let me make sure you understand. He says, a guy has been healed, but it's pointing to a much bigger promise than this. It's that God is who he says he is and he wants to do more than you can ask or imagine. Now, here's the thing that really struck me. I wish we had more time to look at the story today, but I go, this guy shows up at the temple and we don't know his story, but we know it's been marked by disappointment. I wonder how many times he had prayed to be healed and he hadn't been healed. How many times he'd asked God for something that didn't seem to come through. And so he shows up at the temple in the middle of this revival that's going on in Acts chapter two. He comes into the place where the presence of God was made known, and he never asked for the one thing he actually needed most, which was for God to touch his life. This man shows up and he says, hey, will you give me a little bit of money? <laughs> because of all the disappointment and all the heartache and all the sorrow, he didn't even know how to ask God for the one thing he actually needed. And I just thought, Lord, how many of us show up every Sunday and you know you need a miraculous touch from God, but because of pain and disappointment and heartache, you've lost the ability and the faith to even ask him for it anymore. And so you come into a place like this and you ask him for change, but what you need is him to fix your legs. You know, there's some of you sitting here today, you know you need, you know you need to be healed. You need to be healed from MS. You need to be healed from deafness in your ear. You need to be healed from cancer. You need to be healed from your eyesight that's gone bad. You need to be healed from your back pain. You need to be, we could just, some of you know you need to be healed physically. Some of you know you need to be healed uh, spiritually. You realize there's addiction, there's pain, there's choices. You know you don't wanna make them. You just keep making them over and over and over. And unless God intervenes, you're just gonna keep doing tomorrow what you did yesterday. You need to be forgiven. You need to be healed. Some of you need that spiritual healing. Some of you need relational healing. Your marriage is on, it is on life support. Your relationship with your parents or your children has, has gone to hell in a handbasket. You don't know how to get it back. There's fractured relationships. Some of you need a miraculous touch from God. And some of you need a miraculous touch from God in your finances. And some of you are sitting here going, oh man, now he's getting health and wealth. No, I'm not. Like, you guys know what kind of car I drive. You seen my car? Like, it's an, it's an old car. The whole side has been crushed in from an accident that I couldn't afford to fix. So I'm just saying, I don't believe that following Jesus makes you rich, okay? Like, but here's the deal. He can take care of everything. 
And some of you are sitting here and you're going, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent tomorrow. And you just put your last little bit of offering in the offering mailbox. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I go, he's a great father. He loves you. He knows you. And these things are okay to come to him with. Some of you need a miracle in your life. And here's the deal. Some of you have been so marked by disappointment and pain, you don't know how to ask for the miracle anymore. I mean, just this week, me and some of my, my brothers, we were praying in a tragic situation, and we were wanting God to do something. And from our perspective, he didn't do the thing we asked for. But you know what? He's still God. He's still on the throne. He's still good. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we're just gonna keep praying the way he's told us to pray. And we're gonna keep asking him for what he's gonna ask us. Here's the reality, is our lives are marked by disappointment, but I refuse to build my theology on disappointment. Like we can understand pain and disappointment, we can empathize, we can cry together, but I refuse to build an understanding of God based off the disappointments of my past. So we're gonna pray. Some of you here today, you need a miracle, and we're gonna pray for a miracle. At the nine, we saw God do some miracles, and we also saw some people walk away going, man, he didn't do what I hoped he'd do. And we're gonna keep praying because that's who God is. It's about God. Some of you, this is not a day where you need a miracle, but it's the day where God needs to remind you that he wants the miracle to flow through you on somebody else's behalf. That just like the friends that carried their paralyzed buddy into Jesus's presence on a mat and dug a hole in the roof, some of you today go, man, I need to carry somebody in. I've got a dad with cancer. My in-laws are getting divorced. I've got a coworker that just got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I need God to touch their life. And some of you today, maybe you don't need the miracle, but you know someone who does, and this is your day to carry them into the presence of Jesus, and we're just gonna come with faith. And we're not gonna make a bunch of excuses. We're not gonna make a bunch of plan Bs, kind of sideway out. We're just gonna say, hey, God, we believe you are who you say you are, and we're just gonna ask for it. And so that's what we're gonna spend. We're gonna spend the last 20, 25 minutes of our day together just praying and ministering over anybody that wants to receive prayer. And here's the deal. You know, we started our day by taking communion together, being reminded that it's only the brokenness of his body and the spilling of his blood that even makes it possible to come to him with such things like this. And then we worshiped him next. Why did we worship him? Because he's a great God that deserves worship. We don't worship him because he changes our circumstances. We worship him because he's good. We worship him. That's what we do. We, we worship him. And now we're just gonna pray. And so I wanna invite you to stand with me right now. Go ahead and stand with me. And here's how this is gonna work. Uh, if you're on the worship team, you can go ahead and come up. If you're on our prayer team, go ahead and go to the respond banner. To my left and your right, there are these red banners that say respond. We're gonna have men and women there, some of our elders, some of our leaders, some of our prayer team are gonna be there. And we would love to pray over anybody that needs physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, financial, any sort of miraculous touch from God you need. We're gonna pray over you. And here's what we told the nine. We said, listen, we will stay and pray as long, we'll, we'll end the service, don't worry about this, but I will stay and pray as long as we need to pray until every person has been prayed for. And we're just gonna pray that God would move in your life uh, today. And we're gonna trust him for that. And so here in this moment, I'm gonna give you the opportunity uh, to come up for prayer and just come over to the respond banner. We'll kind of help you get in line and, and we'll get to you. We'll get, we'll get some faithful men and women to pray over you. So I wanna invite you to close your eyes with me. And uh, if, if you know you need a miraculous touch of God in your life, there's something that you need personally, I wanna invite you, everybody's eyes are closed. This is just for you and the Lord would you just raise your hand as high as possible and just keep it there? Lift your hand up, keep it in the air. 
Awesome. Yeah, just lift your hand. Don't be scared. Just lift your hand before the Lord. Hey, you need God to touch your life, okay? Keep your hands up, please. Uh, for those of you that are in the room and you have somebody in your life that needs a miraculous touch, somebody that needs healing, physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, I want to invite you to raise your hand as well. If you have somebody in your life that needs to be touched by God, raise, raise your hand. Okay, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And, uh, and then I'm gonna invite us into prayer. Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And we come not in our own strength, in our own power. We don't, have to, we don't have to like rally ourselves up for this. You're a great father. You know us, you love us. You're capable of, uh, you're capable of doing the impossible. And so we're gonna ask boldly that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in this room today, that diseases would be healed, that demons would be cast out, that you would restore uh, hearing and eyesight and that you would heal backs and that you would, you would heal people's bodies, that God, you would drive out cancer, that you would, you, know, you would make the infertile fertile, that God, you would do the miraculous in this room. We, we pray for it in great belief. God, we pray for soul healing, for relational healing, uh, for any of these things that we need. God, in the name of Jesus, we ask you these things boldly because you're a great God. And I'd ask that uh, above and beyond that you would help us to see the reality of Jesus and your realness, Jesus, as we come to you in this moment of prayer. Amen.